0: Welcome to The Nicholas Natale Show. Today, I'm chatting with David Taylor-Klaus. DTK has three decades of experience as a serial entrepreneur starting in hospitality and later launching an internet strategy and web development company in 1995. He's a mentor coach for the oldest and largest coaching school as well as for the International Coach Federation. He has the best-selling book, Mindset Mondays with DTK, Rewire your thinking and transform your life. He has coined the term "impact billionaires," which redefines how we can measure our success in business and in life. Before we dive into the episode like a scuba diver, I want to talk to you. My, I want to talk to my entrepreneurs out there. What's up, business owner entrepreneurs? Are you looking to optimize your? Are you looking to optimize your performance, scale your business, or reconnect with your family without compromising your business's success? My man, Scott Anderson from Double Dare You, has served up a dish that you're going to love. Scott is an entrepreneur, coach, and business consultant who has helped scale over 550 businesses and more than 2,200 executives. He's a legend and he's offering listeners of The Nicholas Natalie Show a free consultation call. It's free. Visit doubledareyou.us to schedule your free consultation call today. That's D-O-U-B-L-E-D-A-R-E-Y-O-U dot U-S for your free consultation call. And since you're going online, go ahead and go to com slash shop first on merch. I mean, I mentioned it before. I mentioned it last week. I lost my sweatshirt to the Grand Canyon, and I'm not going to lie. Before that, I got a compliment almost every time I wore it. 95% success rate on getting compliments on your fit when you're rocking the Burb Life merch. Merch will be changing soon, so get the current gear while you can. YouTube.com slash Nicholas Itali. Videos every Monday. You know, we got some good stuff cooking up there. I'm very excited about it. And leave a five-star review for this podcast. Do it. Then share this episode with a friend on the social medias. Tell everyone you, you need to know. To all the baddies you got in your contact, say, Hey, my bodacious king or queen, I thought you might like this. And then send them this episode. If you want to be a sponsor of the podcast, reach out to me personally and Nicholas Natalie dad on Instagram <laughs> for more information. The riddle for this week, what kind of candy would a prisoner want before he is executed? Think about it. That was the intro. Now here's the episode. Hello and welcome. This is the Nicholas Natalie show. I am your host, Nicholas Natalie. Today we have a very special guest, David Taylor-Klaus. Season's greetings, David. Hey man, excited to be here. I can't (laughs) wait to hear what we talk about. (laughs) All right, we're going to dive into it. And usually I do a little, you know, like, this is what I know about you kind of thing. But I think I'm going to start out with just a really banger of a question. How do we as individuals, how do we find out what we're truly passionate about? Because we're all kind of, I feel not all of us, but many of us are Or wandering through trying to figure out what's our real purpose? You know, what are we actually passionate about? How do we find that? Wow. Okay. So (laughs) what are we passionate about and what's our purpose can be
1: totally different things. And so here's the answer. I keep three words up in front of me all day, right below my camera. It says real, Mm -hmm. not right. Because I can tell you that Mm -hmm. trying to figure out what's right,
0: Mm -hmm. will.
1: what kind of language is permitted here?
0: All language, let it fly. Because it, it'll,
1: <laughs> it'll fuck you up. Because that's the problem. We try to get the right version of our purpose or the right words for our purpose. And we're so focused on getting it right, which by the way, is an external measurement of what you're doing, right? right. <laughs> it's It's about making it real. Something that resonates with you. Something that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up when you say it out loud. And if you can stand in front of the mirror and declare it and your hair doesn't stand up on the back of your neck, you're not there yet. So Mm. it's got to be real for you. It doesn't matter if it's right. I I had a a radio show that I was on and the guy challenged me. He said, what if my purpose, what if my why is I want to take my family to Disney for two weeks every year? It's like, well, you know, he goes, is that, is that right? Is that good enough? Is that big enough? I said, well, none of that matters is it yeah. something that drives the way you make decisions the way you spend the way you save the way you invest your energy and your time and your attention does it does it channel your behavior yeah and it's something that you're conscious to and allows you to live your life in a way that's in alignment if that's it yes fabulous then that's real yeah but you know he had fought with Simon Sinek about a why being big enough. I was like, no, 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 man. Well, Interesting. If your purpose is yours. It's got to be real for you. Yeah. So the first step is to get off, get over this right bullshit.
0: Yeah. So it's finding finding what really hits you in your core and gets you get you amped up. Mm-hmm. But something that I think is kind of in there is the should part, like that feeling of what feels right and that that what is right and should kind of comes from other people's opinion, perspectives, media, how do we kind of decipher from, okay, this is me, and this is not all of these outside influences telling me I should do this. That's so good. So the first step here, let, let's take it down to the practical.
1: You've got a list of yeah. things to get done. Mm-hmm. When you hear yourself referring them to them with the external language of control, I should do this. I need to do that. I have to do this. I ought to, I should, all of those four letter words, they're nasty because the language itself all has an external locus of influence. Right? If you can replace those words in anything, you're talking about with, I want to do this, or I get to do this, or I'm blessed Mm -hmm. to be able to do this. If that language fits, then it's something that's aligned. Now, I'm not going to say you may not want to take out the garbage,
0: right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> but
1: there's an underlying motivation to why you're doing it, right? Oh, I need to go take out the garbage. Well, why is it that you need to take, go take out the garbage? What is it that you want that's associated with that? And whether it's so I can mm-hmm. get the kids to shut up or the house can smell better or whatever the reasons are, look for what the real motivation under it is. The first step is to train yourself to get to the mm-hmm. underlying desire. The underlying want and that helps you peel off the things that aren't you got to attach yourself to the motivation that's yours again that's real you know living the should life sucks
0: it does it definitely it definitely sucks so when you so from your experience you know working with with people with clients what is often the biggest setback in regards to people holding on to the should and maybe like holding back from truly pursuing their thing? Like, is it fear? Is it is it insecurity? Is it, I'm going to disappoint people? I'm pleasing people? What's, what is it often?
1: Keep all going. of the above.
0: <laughs> Scarcity, fear,
1: oh, no, all of the above. And they all fall in that category of unwritten rules, right? So mm-hmm. we all have these unwritten rules that we live by that as they, if those rules remain unexamined, then mm-hmm. they totally run your life. And Mm -hmm. so for me, you know, take it back, oh my God, 2004, I was driving myself mad, right? I had these unwritten rules that, oh God, and and this is going to hit in the pit of the stomach of people listening to this. I'll be happy when, and it doesn't matter what you fill in on the other side of that, right? That reaction. I wish people could (laughs) see your face. It's like, I'll be happy (laughs) When we hit that revenue mark or when we've got these people working for us or when I get this type of client or when blah, 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 right? If I work hard enough, this will be a success. If I work long enough, I can make this work. And you know, that left me, dude, eating at my desk more than at home. My wife Mm. hated my company more than I did. I I knew my kids played a sport, but I had no idea when. I mean, it was, I was totally over calibrated towards work and lost connection with everything else that was truly important because I was living that should, I was building the company the way I thought I should, I was leading the way I thought I should lead. I was partnering with my business partner the way I thought I should. All of that was external Mm. markers. Oh, if I do leadership like that. If I do management like that, if I do strategic planning yeah. like that, I'm doing what I should be because I read the right book. Oh, see the right book. Mm-hmm. And none of that was tested against who I was or what my values were or how I lead or who the amazing humans are that we had hired, that we were supposed to be helping grow. None of that. Yeah. It was all external. It doesn't matter if it's Jack Welch oh or the goodness. jerk next door. If you're doing it like someone else, you're doing leadership. You're not being a leader. Being yeah. is different than doing. When the when what we do, Nick, is the logical extension of who we be, then it's real.
0: Yeah. I've heard you often say that Like to get to the next level, you have to get better at being yourself rather mm-hmm. than enhancing the skills you have. And that's, yeah. you know, that's something that I'm, I'm currently trying to figure out myself outside of doing hard things to gain personal growth. I I don't know if I have the remedy yet on what it looks like to practically, you know, dig inside myself and then start growing. But it seems like you may have found a, a, a remedy here with the rewrite your, your mindset. Can you give me some practical ways I can start? Yeah looking into be instead of just like, I'm going to keep doing until I'm, I'm good enough.
1: Yeah. It's, it's fun making it practical. And I mean, you mentioned rewire that, that, that we've all done a lot of things that are useful to try to get to the being. We just don't do them frequently enough and for long enough. And the whole purpose Mm -hmm. of the rewire framework that I put in the book, and we'll talk about that when we get to it was to help people do small things, repeat them frequently and do it for long enough to get the learning to stick. That is, Mm -hmm. those three elements are the only secret to creating change, right? It's deciding what you want to do differently or how you wanna be differently and then doing it, taking small actions, repeat them frequently and do it long enough and depends on whose research you like, three weeks or four weeks, do it long enough to create a new habit mm-hmm. to overcome the resistance to change. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, and I'm not evading the question. I want to be really clear that there is almost nothing that's self reflective that you can do that won't improve your world. Just bloody. Do it long enough. We're we we have we're so time poor and attention poor that we want it to be a switch flip. And we'll do it for a couple days and then go, it's not working. (laughs) I'm over it. I gotta stop. Too hard. Right? You know, it it took you a long time to learn how to walk. And when you started walking, you sucked at it. Right. And it took you a long time to learn how to talk. And when you started, you sucked at it. And yet Mm you walk and talk every day now and you don't ever lament. Oh my God. I was so bad at that before yet. We chide ourselves in every other area that we're not immediately good at.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: so the first step to figuring out what's important to focusing on the being is to peel off judgment. The, instead of judgment, looking at what's happening mm-hmm. for you and your world with blameless discernment. When you judge yourself, when you vote on whether it's good or bad, how you're being, you're immediately in a triggered state and your brain doesn't create any shift in a triggered state because then you're operating from the primitive brain, that little wad of tissue right at the top of your spine. And that part of our brain has five modes right? And five Fs, fight, flight, freeze, feed, and make babies. Those are the only five things that that part of our brain knows how to do. And when you get, when you get stuck and triggered to try to do anything from that part of your brain that's mm-hmm. outside of that range, that's it. That's nothing is going to change. So the first step is to reclaim your brain, get out of judgment so that the modern brain, the lump mm-hmm. at the very top can do something. You can start thinking in different ways and creating new avenues. But you can't do that from your reptilian brain.
0: Yeah. So here's here's something that I'm, I'm curious about. So we we get rid of the judgment and then part of me believes that we have to like take on almost a new identity in order to form a new behavior. So instead of you know, like, like we were talking about, you know, I did it for a couple of days and now I'm done because I was focusing on this action. I might have to change. I'm a person that does said action, like, for example, every time I wake up to your point about walking and I brush my teeth, I think this is so easy. I brush my teeth every day. Like this is such an easy habit. I don't even think about it because now I'm a person that brushes I my teeth. This. You know, I believe, <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Because I'm like, I identify as somebody that brushes their teeth every day. So how do I go from uh, like this, this behavior, this di- desired behavior that I want to know this is who I am. I do these things because of the person I am.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: you're hitting on one of the
1: flaws with one of the challenges with coaching, right? There's mm-hmm. so many coaches that just inflame And fan the flames of our worst ideas. And those are that if we change our actions, we get different results. Well, that's true in the super short term. But if you're not changing the behaviors behind those actions or the feelings behind those or the beliefs or the identity underneath it all, nothing changes. So example, Um, 10 years ago, I wanted to change my body. Mm-hmm. There are very few people out there who can't identify with wanting to change your body, either bulk up or hone down. Right.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, it doesn't matter what you try. Most people don't try anything long enough or they do a diet for a while and they revert. They do a workout yeah. program. And they revert. That's well, because you're changing your actions to get different results. I, right. and we'll get to decision versus choice. Cause that's the answer to your question. I decided Ooh, yeah. on the identity of an athlete. So it was, was, how does an athlete act? How does an athlete behave? What does an athlete feel? What does an athlete believe? Mm -hmm. And what does that identity hold, right? So in the morning, Mm -hmm. an athlete gets up in the morning and does X, Y, Z. And when you hold the identity, when you decide on that identity shift, your goal becomes the place you come from, not the place you're going to. So you hold that Mm -hmm. identity and that becomes the way I make my decisions because that's who I am. I'm somebody who brushes my teeth. The exact same thing. I'm an athlete, so this is how an athlete makes decisions. And so, so yeah. I'm gonna also narrate for the people who are listening and not watching, right? So I'm, I'm holding a highlighter and a pen.
2: Uh-huh.
1: If I choose the right. pen, then I just put the highlighter back down on my desk. The Latin right. word for the Latin root for the word decide is decere, which means to cut. So when I decide on the pen, I throw the, the highlighter away. I cut it out. It's no no longer a choice. It's Mm -hmm. gone. So the point is it's like burning the boats. There is no plan B. There's no turning back. So when you decide on that identity shift, then you have a state from which to operate and that is the only thing that creates meaningful, lasting change. Man.
0: I love that no plan B <laughs> thing you no just said B? because it's you're going all in. Do you think there's some of that to in order to achieve your goals you can't have this like oh well if I don't get it in the back of my mind I still have this thing waiting for me. Do you think it's like I almost think of my back is up against the wall so I have to do this or maybe half is not the right word yep. but I I'm eager to do this thing, so I'm gonna make sure it, it happens because there's nothing else behind me waiting for me. If that's an interesting yeah. mindset to take on, and I'm curious your thoughts on what mindset should we take when it comes to accomplishing the things we want to do. Is it just this relentless you, you bullish? I'm gonna. Re- do you really want to know what mindset we? Sh- Hold on. Do you really want to know what mindset we should take? Is that the word Ooh. you want to use? What well, maybe the best mindset to have. <laughs> is that a better what, way to word What it? mindset would
1: serve best? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yes. yes. So what, so what, is it, what mindset is it serves brute best? hmm
1: Um, it, it can be. It depends. There are people that are motivated motivated by that brute determination.
0: In other words, yeah.
1: kill it and grill it. It doesn't matter what happens, I'm gonna slay, I'm gonna win. For some people right. that works. For some people it's about yeah. here's what it is that I am going to create. Yeah. Right? and they have they are more of a you know a a generative creating type of person so so yeah. knowing what your mode is right mm-hmm. helps a lot cuz acting in alignment with who you are how your energy is makes a difference mm-hmm. and yet it's the same thing it's that holding the mindset of yes i have already succeeded with this mm-hmm. the more that you can slip into the mindset of the goal that you have declared is your come from instead of mm-hmm. your destination, the The more your track record of, of achieving that goal will increase. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: It's the, you, I've it's, uh, it's be heard- it until you are it is another way to say it. it's not fake it till you make it. It is be yeah. it
0: until you are it. Yeah. I like that a lot. So let's say I've heard you also say this, which I love that creation happens twice, once in your mind and then once in the world, you know, we, we, we put it into the world. How do we go from having a really good idea to executing it with, with <laughs> precision?
1: Oh, with precision. Well, give that up. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, no, and, and I say that because listen, mm-hmm. How do we go to making it happen in the world? Letting go yeah. of attachment to the specific, to the how, right? That Interesting. It, mm-hmm. What's important about things that are created twice is when you're clear about what the end state looks like, what that desi- desired future state looks like, tastes like, feels like, then when you're clear enough on your why, to use Simon Sinek's language, mm-hmm. you can endure any how, mm-hmm. Right? And that's what's important. When we get attached to the step-by-step precise execution to make, an event, make something happen in eventuality, that's where we get tripped up. Because no matter how good the plan is in your head, uh, uh-huh. David Eisenhower said, in preparing for battle, I found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. And the reason right. is the minute you walk out on the battlefield and the first bullet flies, all of your plans are shit. You've got to dance yeah. with whatever <laughs> yeah. comes up. Your planning is what allows you to to get to the goal anyway. And that's Mm -hmm. what's important about execution is letting go of the flawless part during Mm -hmm. because there's no precision in dancing with the vagaries of what happens in the world. Being Mm -hmm. clear about what the end state is allows you to rejigger as you go so that you can still create Mm -hmm. what that desired future state is. I forgot what the question was, but that's what came up when you asked me.
0: I think, I think, you, I think you're hitting it. I hope so. I also kind of want to know how do we, how do we clearly define, you know, that, that end goal and result that we want? Cause I think it kind of falls into this mm. purpose identity thing that we're, we're chasing here and getting crystal clear on our goals. How do we hit the clarity mark? Yeah. You know, how do we set some really clear things for ourselves? CEO. That's your answer. The, the, When we do future planning,
1: there are two pieces. One is CEO, the levels at which you plan it. And that's an acronym that I'll break out for you. And the other one is stop planning forward and start planning backward. So the the planning backward looks like, Mm. if I'm trying to create something in the future, let's look at right now where I'm standing, Mm -hmm. I could start off in, I have 360 degrees of opportunity of how I can start moving. Now, that's only mm-hmm. if I'm planning on an X, Y coordinate. If I plan on Z in three dimensions, I now have l- unlimited directions that I can move in. Right. And that's paralyzing for most people. When you say, what's the first step? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We get,
0: <laughs> you got a lot paralysis. of first steps.
1: <laughs> I got a lot of first steps. Which one's going to serve? Hell if I know. Even if you know, yeah. even if you think you know what that destination looks like, you could still start off in any direction. Ask any sailor. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you stand and visualize yourself in that desired future state, a year out, five years out, whatever it is, stand there and create a rich, resonant image of what it is to be in that desired future state, the clearer you are, and that's where the acronym comes in, the easier it is then to look back at your starting point and the path becomes much narrower and easier to define Mm. by planning step-by-step from the destination back. It changed the way we do strategic planning for organizations and it changes the way we do strategic planning for our lives. And the CEO piece is, is what I think allows people to create that clear resonant picture because We're super good at planning the O, which is operational. That's the lowest level. Oh, Mm -hmm. good. I wake up at six. I go to the gym. I do this. I do that. I go here. I have that. That's all the Mm -hmm. operational flow. That's easy. Next level is the E. It's the emotional field. What emotions are moving through me and what emotions am I feeling throughout the day? How do I feel about each of these things that I'm doing in that operational flow? And (laughs) the C is where it gets really fun. That's the cultural. So it's cultural, emotional, operational. And the cultural field is where am I doing it with whom? What's the impact I'm having? What's the impact cascade now and over time? How is this showing up in the world? So when you look at all three Mm -hmm. of those layers and you describe your desired future state through all of those lenses, then you've got something worth burning the boats for. Yeah. Then there's no need for a Plan B because you are crystal clear about what this looks like, and when wrinkles show up, you know how to move around them and still see the destination you're headed towards.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a little detour. You can still get there. Exactly. No big deal.
1: You can handle the how because you know the why. Yeah.
0: Way. So it sounds like you you might be big on visualization too, like. Really, really viewing what you what you want to end at, feeling it, being it. Do you recommend like sitting with yourself every day and thinking through this, feeling that feeling each day? Because I also, I feel like I want to touch on the visualization part and then also the like, I've heard you talk about irritation versus inspiration, which I'm really fascinated by, which is like kind of where your motivation comes from. So if you have a crystal clear mm-hmm. angle, what is sparking it? Irritation or inspiration. Give me your hot takes on visualization and then those two motivation factors. So
1: so the visualization is a trip. Okay, so so can I out myself a little bit?
0: You you could do whatever. Absolutely. Please do.
1: Um I've had some of the most I do visualization work with all of my clients and in fact several times during our time together. And I lead visualizations. I do a ton of work with it when I'm, and, and the imagery that comes up for me while my clients are doing this stuff is pretty wild. And then when I sit down mm-hmm. to do my own visual visualizations, fucking black, Not, nothing. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. It, and it, it frazzles so me to no end because I, I imagine it all, but I see mm-hmm. nothing. And 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 I've had such wild experiences with it, and my imagination runs wild, but I literally don't see anything, which is yeah. and you know I've sort of come to the point over the last several years that that's just kind of the way it is right now, and we'll yeah. see what happens. Um,
2: uh-huh. But
1: for a long time it was very very frustrating, and so I avoided doing a lot of the work myself. But but I'll tell you mm-hmm. why I still do it, and even though I resisted it, why I did it before. And the reason that I do it with all my Mm -hmm. clients, they took Olympic level athletes and they split them in the experiment was they split them into two groups. They each did Mm -hmm. the same number of hours of work during the day. One group did half Mm -hmm. the physical exercises and half visualization. The other did all physical exercises, all the training related to their sport. Yeah. At the end of each period mark that they, that they tested them on, the group that did half physical and half visualization outperformed the other group every single time in every single marker. Wow. And they have they Sheesh. have duplicated these results over and over and over again. It's astounding. It's Your brain doesn't know the difference between what you imagine or what you visualize and a real experience. Yeah. It has no reason to. It doesn't. So, you know, a pianist who's... Imagine themselves playing and fingering a desk instead of the keys. The brain fires the exact same way when you put it in an fMRI as it does when he or she has their fingers on a piano. Wow. The brain doesn't distinguish between the visualization work and reality. For the brain, it's reality. So the more you imagine that reality, the more you visualize it, the more you create it inside your head, the higher the likelihood is you'll be able to create it in the world because your brain has already seen it and experienced it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, visualization's incredibly powerful, even when it's frustrating for someone.
0: (laughs) I I wholeheartedly agree. I think the biggest benefit I've seen from visualizing is I have the ability to practice perfectly because mm. in my head I can orchestrate <laughs> like the, the you know the perfect outcomes I can say the perfect things I can be the perfect person in that scenario but in real life that's not always the case but when that scenario comes up I have a much more a higher likelihood that I am going to perform at a higher level so I think well, and- I'm, I'm with you
1: there's the segue right back to that motivation piece because by running that scenario in your head and practicing perfectly inside your world, Mm -hmm. it changes the energy of your motivation to engage in that in the real world because you've already Mm -hmm. experienced it and you can be more inspired Mm -hmm. by and inspired to engage in it. That's more of a moving Mm -hmm. towards energy. It's more of a, I hate positive and negative, right? Because this is more of the moving towards as opposed to irritation, which is the moving away from. And if you don't visualize it, if you don't think about it, if you avoid it like the plague, when you experience it in the real world, you're going to be irritated by it and try to move away from it. And I'll tell you that the, the energy that's available for forward motion from irritation and inspiration they are both equally valuable and powerful we Mm. like the inspiration better yeah but when we judge the irritation we lose that energy to use Mm. and for any of your listeners that are trying to again let's go back to weight trying to lose weight for an example wow sometimes it's the irritation that will get you off your ass and to the gym or onto the bike or onto or onto the track yeah right the inspiration I'm sorry, I have never wanted to run for the sake of inspiration. (laughs) I will run if someone's chasing me and I don't want to get caught. (laughs) But there's nothing sexy about running, right? So so let the irritation move you and you want to amplify the power of the motivation. Figure out not just what you're running from, but what you're moving towards. Because when you can link those two, holy crap, that's when you have a lot of energy available
0: to you for creation yeah man hot dog that's really good yeah. i i i saw this i saw this and i am i'm curious because i am i'm baffled i have no idea what it could mean what is what's an impact billionaire what does that mean <laughs> i think they're the sexiest humans alive i really do
1: really i mean not just because i'm married to one um <laughs> so so b- billionaires impact billionaires are not necessary. It's not an Elon Musk who all of a sudden wakes up one day and says, Ooh, I'm going to do good stuff. No, no, it's not about the money. That's the thing. The impact billionaires, Mm -hmm. they're not motivated by the number of dollars they amass. What drives them is the Mm -hmm. number of lives they can touch. So an impact billionaire is someone who it has, or is on track to impacting the lived experience of a billion people or more. Mm. They're working with ideas or concepts or technologies that, that will impact that many people in a substantial ongoing way.
0: Yeah, interesting. So what, what would you say? So they measure their success in terms of how many people they can impact. And I'm assuming, or maybe like how many people they can serve. Is that correct? Yes. And how? Yeah, correct.
1: And I can give you a couple examples.
0: Yes, please Um, do.
1: So so my favorite one is my wife because she's a couple feet away in the next office. So Mm -hmm. my wife, the, the company that she and her business partner started 10 years ago was originally, it's called Impact Parents now. And what they do is provide coaching, training, and support for parents of kids with complex needs. So they have ADD, anxiety, learning disabilities, you name it. It's helping parents help kids, but here's Mm -hmm. what's underneath their work. They're teaching these parents, a coach approach to parenting and the Mm -hmm. work they're doing now is taking that coach approach to parenting to parents of even neurotypical kids and using it to change how we parent our children. And they're currently reaching folk in more than 140 countries. They're oh wow. changing the way people are raising their children, which is changing the way those children are experiencing growing up, which will change the way they parent their children when they have them. They are yeah. literally shifting the lived experience of hundreds of millions of people right now and on track mm-hmm. for more. And that's what I mean by an impact billionaire. And let me tell you something. She ain't making a billion dollars. That's not yeah that's not what's happening they're working with people who are canceling the cable bill to pay for a program Mm -hmm. right so that is about the service and they're impact driven they've made it into a business that's sustaining them and feeding their employees and making a difference in the world
0: can't ask for much more than that that sounds like the the perfect the perfect recipe So it's taking something you're
1: passionate about and seeing how wide that impact footprint can go and literally ignoring those voices in your head that say, who are you to play that big?
0: Ooh, Ooh, that's tough. That's, that's a challenge in itself because I almost feel like from everybody, everybody I've talked to and speaking from personal experience, There is an inclination to do the thing we're passionate about, but there is that voice that says, don't you dare, don't you dare, even if it's what's best for, for the world in some sense. And a lot of times I feel like there's, I have this passion, you know, we have this passion and we can't see the, how can I use this to serve other people? But I imagine there's probably a way that everybody can use their own talents to become an impact billionaire.
1: Yeah. So, so a couple of things. One is, yeah, that voice comes from all the people while you were growing up and while you were going through school and while you were going through early career, the people who, w- with all intent to serve you said, Ooh, yeah. don't aim that high. What if you fail? That's going to suck. Ooh, don't be that yeah. big. Right. And, yeah. and usually it's because they don't want to.
2: Mm-hmm. And sometimes
1: it's just because they don't think you should because you'll get hurt. Mm. And no, 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 Who are you to play that big? Marianne Williams, who are you not to play that big? So, right. so the, the important thing is, man, that's just the way we were acculturated. Your opportunity is to let it go. And from there, it'd be great to say, okay, I'm starting off in the world. <laughs> I've been unleashed on this planet. How can I serve one eighth of this globe? Right? Yeah. People have a tendency to go, oh, damn, I don't know what that first step looks like. The trick is is go for cascade. Look at how you can impact one other person's life positively, and then amplify that and extend that footprint and extend that footprint. Find something that serves your heart and serves others, and keep expanding the footprint. You start to see that exponential growth. As you see it expand... (laughs) As the inspiration hits, Mm -hmm. there's always more to do. If we, if you're driven by the impact, it doesn't matter whether it's one person or a billion, you can't help but expand that footprint We're we're animals. And as the animals that we are, we're taught, I mean, we're wired at our core. You know, when we learn something, we're going to teach it. That's what we're prone to do genetically and epigenetically. Mm -hmm. So same with impact. If we see we're having a positive impact and it's reflecting back to us, you, the charge we get from that, we want more. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's no, this is going to piss off some people. So trigger warning. There's no such thing as altruism. I'm ready for it. There isn't. The altruism Ooh, isn't the thing. Interesting. Mother Teresa, who's held as the model of altruistic behavior. I'm sorry. No. If she weren't fed emotionally, spiritually, metaphysically by the work that she did, she wouldn't have done it. She got something from the work she did by being in service to them, by being in service to her God. Absolutely. She was fed by the work she did. She wouldn't have done it. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to enjoy and reap the rewards of your actions. It amplifies your desire to engage in it. So yeah, when you see the impact you're having and it's a positive impact you're having on others, you're kind of going to want more.
0: Yeah. Lean into that addiction. And that's. <laughs> yeah, that's not a bad thing to want. Do you think true, like, pure selfless, selflessness is a real thing then? If altruism is no longer a real thing, is selflessness real?
1: Um, It can be. I think too often we equate selflessness as that it becomes unhealthy. We're giving mm-hmm. to others at the expense of ourselves, systematically mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. constantly. But yes, as a parent, yeah, there's totally selflessness. Like you, <laughs> we would lay down our lives for our children. Yes. And you can't give what you ain't got. So if you don't take Mm, care of yourself, you're not worth a damn to your children, your family, your team, your community, your country. No, 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 no. There's a there's a level of selfish in service of that's required to be able to be of service.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Selfish is not self-centered. Self-centered is, you know, attention to self to the exclusion of others, and narcissism. Mm. If you go all the way out, is attention to Mm. self. What do you mean there are (laughs) others? But selfish is merely <laughs> attending to self, and that's
0: yeah. critical. Yeah, yeah, you have to have that. In terms of, uh, and I'm this is this is a this is just a personal question for me. This is something I, I am hitting my head against the wall on all the time. Creating boundaries, right? Creating containers, and communicating well to be able to serve people and not please people in terms of, <laughs> do you know what I mean? God, like, my, you my can't coach, say yes to everything.
1: Mike, well, yeah, but you know, we all have for a period of time in our lives at some point. <laughs> my, my coach <laughs> holds a distinction about serving versus pleasing as a coach. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. you know, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, fuck. Um, that, was sort of a, <laughs> that was sort of a gut punch. <laughs> um, Because, and it's a danger for folks who are coaches, even therapists, healers of any kind, because Mm -hmm. our batteries get charged by helping others. Right. Yeah. But, But again, back to that, you know, can't get what you ain't got. If we're doing it at the expense of our well-being, our energy, our balance, our boundaries, then we've tipped over into pleasing and it's draining because the helper's high battery is different than the, my energy battery. And I'm the only yeah. one who can fill this battery, the energy, my energy battery, yeah. the helper's high battery only works once the big one's filled. And yeah, yeah. It, it, it's important because pleasing doesn't do the other person any service, right? You know, I asked you before mm-hmm. we came on here, um, what makes this a, what makes an episode a win for your audience? And you know, for me, that's always a, how do I help you serve your audience? It's what do I have to do to make them happy is what it sounds like when it's mm-hmm. about pleasing, right? How do I have to contort right. myself and reshape myself and talk about stuff in a way that just makes them happy. That's about pleasing.
2: Yeah.
1: That's yeah. different. And, and go back to how it feels energetically. <laughs> so there's <laughs> um teeny bit of brain science. There are, orders of magnitude more signals coming from the body to the brain than there are mm-hmm. from the brain to the body right interesting but when we yeah. try well, I mean, think about it your entire body is a giant sensing organ skin yeah. everything everything is sending signals back to the brain all damn day mm-hmm. and the brain is choosing to ignore some of it right because if you were aware of your tongue and every time it touched your teeth or the roof of your mouth all day long you'd be exhausted if yeah. you're aware of your yeah. clothing, touching your skin, and yet those signals are still going.
2: yeah.
1: But the body's still paying enough attention that if something's itching or irritated or feels wrong, it can respond. But all that information mm-hmm. is coming from the body to the brain. Yet when we try to figure oh, stuff out, where do we go? Into our heads. Yeah. We ignore. Overthink. Well, that's an art, but we ignore all the information that comes from our body and whether you call it heart intelligence or gut intelligence or somatic intelligence, it doesn't really matter. Your body has a ton of information for you. Yeah. So if you're testing something, right, how does it feel A versus B, right? And testing, how is it landing in my body and where? yeah is my stomach flipping over or am i got a little buzz going check in with your body to get information don't just rely on your head that'd be like yeah. i don't know walking into a boxing ring with mike tyson and
0: one hand tied behind your back <laughs> yeah. how would that go i'd probably die for me <laughs> or maybe my ear would get bit <laughs> off who knows right right they
1: say every, tyson says everybody's got a plan until you get hit in the face well that would end badly <laughs> and quickly so, yeah. use head, use body, use all of it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, t- in order to determine if I'm pleasing or if I'm serving, I can check in with my body, and I think that's very true because lately I've been uh, like I've been noticing more. It's interesting because there's almost like ha- I don't want to say habits, but like as you said, like if you have a, a, a feeling in your stomach or something, I can tell if I'm uncomfortable now because I realize I clench my teeth. And I won't realize it for minutes, four or five minutes. And then finally I'll feel it and I'm like, Oh, okay. Now I'm kind of aware that I'm uncomfortable with whatever's going on. And I can like, kind of do a better assessment oh, of it. Yeah. But to your point of just being, so, being so aware what of came up to me at, that is.
1: Wait, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I haven't really talked about this. I think I mentioned it in the book, but this is that the idea of the gaps.
2: Uh-huh.
1: There's a gap between when you're triggered. Like when you start clenching mm-hmm. your jaw and yeah. when you notice right
0: yeah mm-hmm. and
2: mm-hmm.
1: that can be kind of long i mean you just said three to four minutes come on in, in for some relationships it can be a lifetime but the, <laughs> the gap between when you're triggered and when you're noticed um mindfulness and self-awareness is how we close that gap and dude everybody gets triggered mm. dalai lama gets triggered he just recovers super fast All right so that yeah the first step is that gap the other gap is between when you notice and when you choose something different, right? You could still stay yeah. obsessing over something, or, or you know, perseverating over something, and keep grinding your jaw, or you could choose yeah. something different. Well, the way to close the second gap—that's a lot of work around coaching and intentionality—but there's a little bubble in the middle, which is between noticing and choosing something different. Or when you notice is to, again, this is going to go back a little bit to peeling off that judgment and not mm. saying, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I'm stuck on it. The- no, 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 no. It's, oh, wow. So grinding my teeth. What is it that I was thinking? Oh, I was thinking about that. Okay. Just yeah. notice. Yeah. Skip the judgy part. <laughs> yeah. Skip over that part. <laughs> and then you get to choose without the stain of the judgment, right? So yeah, you were grinding your teeth. What is it that's got you wound up around the
0: axle? Yeah, I don't know. Got it. In those Notice moments, it. I have to I have to yeah, exactly what you're saying, noticing it. And then I think also the your point of bridging that gap is gonna be super useful in now if if you know a circumstance comes up and I'm uncomfortable, I'm not noticing it 30 minutes later. Maybe I can address it in the moment and change the way people, you know treat me or behave around me because now I'm setting these, yeah. these boundaries that we were talking about of this makes me uncomfortable. And I need to, I need to say something or maybe it's this makes me uncomfortable and I need to not yeah. get in this environment again, something of that sort. Yep, or just, but,
1: hey, this isn't working.
2: <laughs> yeah, not working.
0: I gotta late. go. <laughs> right. All right. I'm going to be very upset with <laughs> myself if I different. don't ask you this. So there is a moment in your life. Oh, I'm yeah. 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 Where your tech company, I'm I'm going for it, digital positions, right? Is that correct? Am I, am I right so far? Hit the seven-figure mark. You are, you are. And instead of being excited, you freaked out because only 7% of companies hit the seven-figure mark twice. What was going on in your life, and why did you have this reaction to an event like that? <laughs> oh. When you don't know how you,
1: when you're not Mm self-aware, it's hard to unpack and do a a positive post-mortem. Well, how did we get here? I don't know how we got here. Mm -hmm. I don't know how we got here because we weren't intentional in the structures that we built. And since we weren't intentional, Mm -hmm. holy crap, how do we strike gold twice? Or how do we invite the second strike of lightning? And it wasn't, wow, look at all the brilliant bloody things we did. Look at what we set in motion. Look how we responded to the third time we've reinvented this company. Look at how Mm -hmm. what the team that we've built is. Look at the clients we've surrounded ourselves with. There were so many things that said, oh my God, look, you did it. You could do it again. And here's how. Mm -hmm. And there was also, oh, what got us here was focusing on doing the right thing for the right people with the right people. Well, we're still serving yeah. those people. We're still doing the right thing and we still have the same people inside. So what's the worry? I didn't do any of that. I just stayed with, holy shit, I can't tell you how we got here. I don't know how we're going to do it again. So clearly we won't yeah. be able to, right? So I let all yeah. of the negative, yeah. negative voices, that narrative spiral.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay, and then from there, from there, I want to know if this is the still in the same timeline of things so this this perpetual freak out of i don't know if i can do it again and then you have this rock bottom experience the weekend of hurricane katrina and oh yeah this is where 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 things are really rubbers really hitting the road is the only thing i can think of you know you're you're from what i know you're feeling suicidal you're very depressed and is this a time where you're You're still in a good financial business success portion. You know, your business is still in seven figures. Or is this still part of the freak out? Or are these two completely separate times in your life?
1: Oh, oh. what was going on? No, I was in that gap. I was in that gap between being triggered and noticing. I was ignoring everything. Um, So in 2005, we had hit our 10th anniversary. I mean, in 2005, we hit our 10-year anniversary. The year before that is when I had... I had a reboot, a brain reboot, mm-hmm. weird story that ended up having my eldest child and I both, and me both go off gluten. And for me two weeks in the next two weeks, my brain rebooted. There was literally like a mm. fog lifted. Interesting. And like the seven figure piece that you just brought up, thanks for poking the bear. I, uh, mm. I spent the next year. Instead of celebrating the new alertness and awareness and engagement and the opportunities that were ahead of me, I spent that year cataloging all the shit that I had missed, all Mm. the stuff that I had done wrong, leaving my wife to raise our kids effectively alone for 10 years. I mean, I cataloged all the failures, all the shortcomings, all the misses. And just like many entrepreneurs, I was doing this all in my head wasn't doing it out loud. I didn't want to burden anybody. Nobody wanted to hear it. And I was embarrassed. Mm -hmm. So it's Hurricane Katrina. And you know, my friend Alexis Arton says that you can listen when the universe whispers in your ear, or you can wait for it to hit you in the head with a baseball bat. It's your call. Um, (laughs) I waited for the poetic baseball bat. So we're driving Mm -hmm. east into Atlanta. And I can see behind me in the rear view, I literally can see the black sky as, as Katrina is beginning to cross the, the, the coast. And what popped into my head was, wow, pretty big fucking storm. Nothing like the one going yeah. on inside. Mm. I was like, I mean, at first it was sort of a comic reaction. I said, really? That's how you're going to tell me? And, yeah. But it was true. And that was, that was the wake up call that I realized then that the only thing I was clear about were the five best ways to kill myself. I was done. And luckily, I learned that children of parents who kill themselves are 50 times more likely to attempt suicide in their lifetime. Not okay. That was not... I may not have had a reason to stay for me, but I damn well didn't want to be that legacy for my children. That's not Mm -hmm. who I wanted to be and how I wanted to leave them. Mm -hmm. That gave me an anchor point to pivot. That gave me enough irritation to do the work. There wasn't a lot of inspiration at that point. It was a ton Mm -hmm. of irritation. And that got me talking out loud that got me into therapy, that got me into coaching, that got me into focusing on what it was, it was real and important for me, and letting go of the should life. That's mm-hmm. when it shifted.
0: Do you think the, the should life was the driving force behind all of the, well, yeah, the majority of those negative thoughts of, I'm not going to tell anyone, like outside of the, I'm going to burden someone, I don't, maybe it's an image thing too, was it, was it, I want to be this type of leader. So I'm going to stay inside my head so nobody will ever even see a, an oh, ounce yeah. of weakness. I can handle this. I got it. Oh, right. I, I'm, I'm wicked smart. I can
1: figure this out. And mm. I can bludgeon through anything. Right. And yeah, it was, it's Im- I, for me, I made up that it was embarrassing. Right. Mm. I don't see people yeah. out there saying all the things that go wrong. Look, the lens you choose to look through the world, to look at the world through. Yeah. Colors, how you collect evidence. So I didn't see people out there being raw and authentic and talking about the struggles. I saw people out there talking about all the successes and mm-hmm. no damn, I wasn't going to talk about what was really going on inside. I didn't realize that. Everybody has doubts and in internal narratives. Some people talk about it out loud, and some people learn how to reshape their narrative. Other people just let it fester in their head. I was in that group.
0: It doesn't work. But then it lives there. It yeah, had, it does. Gnaws at you until Ooh, and it just gets bigger. Yeah, until you hit that point. Ah, so then you found your reason. You started doing the internal things, and then you shifted out of. My guess is around the 14-year mark for digital positions, you shifted out of there because maybe you found, you know, the success metrics you were finding for yourself were no longer the success metrics you wanted. Um, well, it, I was, it was a no, no. It yeah. was a
1: happy happy confluence of a couple of things. <laughs> One is, you know, the economy went a little sideways. There was a, a financial that's right. risk yeah. in 08 mm-hmm. and 09. Right. And our clients in 07, because we were dealing with a lot of larger organizations as well, they started getting squirrely. They were
2: scared. Mm. Mm.
1: And when you're working with the CMO and the marketing department, when they get afraid, wow, it gets really hard. You know, if marketing is a truth well told, they were having a really hard time. They were feeling like crap and they were terrified day to day. And trying to maintain their own little domain and the company's image when the economy was going sideways and their company was in trouble, public and private. We were dealing yeah. with all of it and they started to act out of sync with their values. And Beth and I realized, Whoa, we're not into this, right? This is, this is a great time for us <laughs> yeah. to get out. So we were looking for a way to get all of our clients taken care of and all of our employees taken care of each of them finding a place to be. And, At the same time, my wife had started going back into the workforce and choosing not to go into politics where she had been and choosing something different. And Mm. she found coaching. And living with her for that year, watching her just, I mean, unbelievable personal growth and expansion. I'm like, dude, (laughs) I want some of that for me. Yeah. And Shit, she's going to outgrow me and it's going to happen super fast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I dove into the training one weekend and by the first break, I'm like, holy crap, (laughs) there's language and discipline and structure to the approach that I, to consulting that I've had the whole time. I had no idea I had a very coach approach to consulting. And all of a sudden I was like, holy shit, there's a profession here. There's a thing here. Uh, So I went, I went headlong. And so for the next year and a half, I was in the company, co-leading the company and accidentally building a coaching practice. Like I started taking clients and they are like, oh, I know somebody and I know somebody. So my practice is yeah. growing unintentionally. Uh-huh. And I guess it was intentionally. You sort of source those things. So, eh. <laughs> unconsciously sourcing yeah. it. How's yeah. that? And Beth yeah, yeah, wasn't yeah. sure what she wanted to do next. And round about October, the end of October of 2009, she says, David, I figured out what I want to do next. I said, awesome, What? She said I yeah. want to run this company and I want to run it without you. And a big statement. She was worried that I was going to freak out. And I get it. I mean, we hadn't been working together for 14 years. She's my wife's best friend. We've known each other since we were really little. And my response yeah. was awesome. I'm out and in 6 yeah. weeks I was done. All you. <laughs> and she literally she wow. ran it till 2019. Wow. Yeah. Man. So <clears> then, <throat> For me, that was the chance to launch headlong into coaching. The, the, it was a beautiful, happy confluence of events that got me into coaching.
0: Huh? Here's a question I want to ask because it seems like it seems like entrepreneurs, often, well, good ones, have this skill, and it seems like you have this skill as well. One, the ability to identify a good business opportunity, because you jumped. <laughs> you jumped in in 94 to teach people how to use the internet. That's a very, that's a good way of identifying a good business opportunity and you made it happen. And then two, knowing like you're seeing your clients getting skittish and you're knowing, okay, this might be a good time for transition. How do you identify those good business opportunities? How can you tell which ones are fruitful and which ones are not? Or on the flip side, are you just now maybe following the purpose you've realized you were meant to have. Hmm. Bookmark that one. Yeah. (laughs) It it takes a while to sometimes
1: to figure out what your purpose is and how to shape it in a language that makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up. And Mm -hmm. um, the answer is paying attention. And and it's not a skill, it's a willingness. And and I'll say it this way. Mm. It's hard to hear at speed, right? Mm. The, <clears throat> in fact, several of the automotive maker, manufacturers have the radios built in such a way that it, had, it adjusts the volume by speed. As the speed increases, the volume that you've selected on the radio mm-hmm. automatically increases because it's hard to hear at speed. So the way yeah. that you identify opportunities is to slow down, get curious, and listen. When we fill all of our time with the tyranny of the flat glass and the access to social media, and and I'm a lifelong learner, so I'm a sponge. I've always got a podcast running or or a course. And when we fill all of our time with that, we miss the brilliance that we bring. We miss the ability to connect ideas and thoughts. Mm
2: -hmm. That
1: requires slowing down paying attention, letting your brain run wild. Yeah, we used to be, we used to have time in our lives where we were actually bored. Millennials don't know what boredom is because the minute they're bored and I'm not trashing them, this is just what it's like to be a digital native. When they're bored, they have access to a supercomputer in their pocket. They can connect with each other surface. They can connect with information immediately, but none of that is allowing the natural creative juices and connection making that our brains do because they never get bored. They never have time and space Mm -hmm. unless they do it intentionally. And by the way, us digital nomads, the ones who didn't grow up with technology from, you know, as an umbilical cord, Mm -hmm. we're just as guilty. We don't slow down until we have to so the answer is slow down and pay attention
0: gotcha that's how man and that's a daily practice i imagine setting time
1: so marshall goldsmith the world's number one executive coach when he worked with u.s ceos charged him a quarter million dollars a year yeah and in his buddhist tradition you only paid at the end of the year if you felt you got value For Mm non-US CEOs, it was 400 grand. One of the things he required before he said yes to working with people was that these leaders would commit to doing two sessions a day, first thing in the morning and sometime during the afternoon, 20-minute meditative practice of their choice. He wasn't invested with what type, what Mm -hmm. discipline, what mode, Mm -hmm. just... Two bouts of meditative practice a day. 201, they all talked about how incredible it was for amping up their creativity and, and shifting them to a calm state throughout the day. It was, they talk endlessly about how powerful it is. And yet, humans revert to form. Within a year after working with Marshall, only 10% of them were still maintaining it. Man no matter how much value they saw out of it. So yeah, ideally a daily practice. Yes, it changes your ability to reclaim your brain and recover. And just like with, a, with a, uh, an elite athlete, recovery is what makes the difference between an elite athlete and everyone else. How quickly and how fully they recover. Mm-hmm. The more you get engaged with your internal dialogue and your meditation, your being with you, the faster you're able to recover
0: yeah. Sure. Better you get it James is putting 5 million dollars in his body. Yeah. He must be doing something right. Something. Wow. Ugh. That's so good. David, we're coming to the last last question of the podcast. And I got to say, I've loved every single minute of this. I could talk to you all day long. You've been fantastic. Um great wisdom nuggets that I wish I could be writing down honestly right right now. I know I'm going to listen back and write them all down. <laughs> um so thank you for coming on and yeah. Shoot. And also I should really say thank you for the, the impact billionaire and re almost, I don't know how else to word it, but realigning or putting out the the idea that money isn't the success maker or breaker, having an impact and caring about people is truly where it's at. So thank you for well, coming and, on and being you're
1: new. welcome. And I, I do, if I may, I want to jump in and hammer that one for a moment.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: We, we We use money as a currency of success and that's our undoing, right? Money is an agreed upon fiction. These little pieces of paper that people will literally kill for, they only have value because we all agree they have value, but there's no intrinsic emotional, energetic attachment to the money. And yet we use the number of zeros we have in the bank as a measure of our success. And that's crazy town, right? If we went to our financial advisor and said, put everything I own into Zoom stock, okay, for a couple of months, that would have been really good. But you can never live like that undiversified. So... Money is not a currency of success. The things that are truly important to you, you talked about storytelling and whether it's being able to unearth the stories that people have or travel or freedom or time or family time, you name it. Those are your real currencies. And a balanced portfolio Mm -hmm. of those things are how one measures success and fulfillment together, right? Success without fulfillment is Mm -hmm. a desperately slow version of suicide. So when you balance yeah. that portfolio of the things that are truly important to you, that's a measure of success. Money is just the stuff is the fungible asset we use to fund all those things that are important to us. It's not a measure of success. So like stop it. So thank you for, <laughs> for, for touching on that. Cause it, I was like, it was chapter 49 in the book. I mean, I was like, I kept thinking, where does it belong? Where does it belong? And and that's a super important thing for particularly early stage entrepreneurs who are like, ooh, I'll be happy when I get yeah. funded. Or I make this right. much money. Or I have that much money. And that's not true. You'll just have yeah. more money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. If you're not happy, you're not going to be happy.
1: And you'll just have more money and be unhappy.
0: Right. The final right, question. So you said you have a last is, question.
1: So bring it.
0: It it's coming in hot, coming in hot for you right now. With all of your your success, you know, in in both ways we mentioned, you know, you've worked in hospitality, we didn't cover, but we, you know, you did tech, and now coaching, and now, you know, impacting all these people. It it goes again. It goes along the similar lines of what fulfills you.
1: Yeah, that's that's an easy one. It's also my greatest accomplishment. My wife and I have been married for, as of this past month, 29 years.
0: We've known each other
1: for 44 years. We have three grown kids that are amazing human beings and positively impacting the world around them. An amazing daughter-in-law who just joined this crazy group. And they're all an active, engaged part of our lives. And more than loving each other, because love is actually the easy part. We like each other. And that that's my greatest accomplishment. And that fulfills me more than anything else.
0: I love it. That's fantastic. David, where can people connect with you? Where can they get your book, Mindset Mondays? How can they how can they see everything you got? I mean, yeah, it'll all be in cool. the show notes, but let them know. I'm a big fan of making it easy, right? So
1: go to mindsetmondayswithdtk.com you'll you can find out about the book and yes of course I would love people to buy the book even
0: Absolutely. if
1: you're not ready for that yet scroll down a little bit and look for the rewire framework you're able to download the rewire framework and start using that structured approach for implementing new ways and reinforcing new ways of thinking being and doing To use it in your world we built it for the book but i've got a version of it that you can use and apply to your world right now so download Mm -hmm. that start playing with it start rewiring your thinking and you can find out more about me from the website as well
0: yay love it well david thank you for being on the show i really appreciate it
1: thanks for letting me come play
0: bye That was the episode. Uploads every Friday at 6 a.m. Next week, we're going to have on Nate Riggs. Nate Riggs is a United States Navy veteran who served 10 years as a helicopter search and rescue swimmer and a door gunner instructor. He was part of a small community that kept the highest standards and was willing to put it all on the line when duty called. Now he applies that same level of attention and detail to real estate. Acting as an advocate and advisor to individuals throughout the process of buying and selling real estate. Should be a banger. Quick reminder from our sponsors of this episode Scott Anderson, the legend. He's an entrepreneur coach that is excited about getting your business to the next level. As a listener of the show, why did you cash in the free consultation call? How many times I gotta say it to you? Grow that business. US. break through those plateaus, grow that business scott's got my endorsement since you're going online go ahead and go to nicholasatale.com slash shop for some merch youtube.com slash for videos every monday every monday and leave a five-star review for this podcast do it and then share this episode with a friend on social media tell everyone you know even if it's uncomfortable to send it send it to them they gotta listen to it they gotta know If you want to be a sponsor of the podcast, reach out to me at Nicholas Tally on Instagram for more information. But the real reason you are still here, what kind of candy would a prisoner want before he is executed? A lifesaver. Yeah, we could all use a lifesaver. We love you guys. We'll see you next Friday, 6 a.m. Be there.